Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Hi, welcome back to The Cottage, and this is our Happy Mother's Day edition, where we explore the idea of boys will be boys, and we go to 2 Samuel chapter 21 for an ancient story of an ancient mother who is so faithful to her sons, even in their death. I'm not sure I'm the right person. I need a lady up here to do Mother's Day and do justice, but... You know, I'll try. So obviously the, we're going to go to Second Samuel 21 and the title of the message is Boys Will Be Boys. And you guys know that better than I do. But anyway, so we'll see what happens here and hopefully we'll be able to understand it. So we are in Second Samuel chapter 21, starting in the first verse, Second Samuel chapter 21. There was, then there was a famine in the days of David for three years. Year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered. It is for Saul. And for his bloody house. Because he slew the Gibeonites. Now if you want to know who the Gibeonites are. Just take anyone out to eat. That was at Sunday school. Or go online. When I posted up there. Because we did the Gibeonites for Sunday school. So that they, those who attended Sunday school. Would understand verse 1. So see you're already ahead of the game. Isn't it great? Those of you that were here, you know who the Gibeonites are. Now, we don't know what Saul did to the Gibeonites because the Bible doesn't record it. It's only recorded right here. This is all we know. But Saul did a lot of bad things, and apparently he did something to the Gibeonites. And God is saying it's because of that that there's a famine. Okay? Verse 2, And the king, David, called the Gibeonites and said unto them, now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the children of Israel had sworn to them, and Saul sought to slay them in a zeal to, to the children of Israel and Judah. So again, go to Joshua 9, or go to our Sunday school message, or take someone that was here at Sunday school out to eat. And you'll learn about who the Gibeonites are, and how they are not Israelites, but how they joined the congregation, and how the Israelite people had chosen to make a covenant with them, and to protect them, and Saul instead decided to be racist and take out his anger on them in some way that we don't know. Verse 3, 2 Samuel 21. Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What? Now get this, those of you who are at Sunday school, pay attention to verse 3, it's very important. Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, Okay, I'll pause that for a second so you can grab that. What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement that ye may bless the inheritance of the Lord? So David is consulting the Gibeonites and say, well, what must be done to make this right? David's trying to make things right. But he consults 
the Gibeonites. You know, the boys will be boys. Let's have a meeting in the back room and we'll discuss this. Let the women be in the kitchen and the boys will do the business and we'll discuss this, right? In Matthew 5, Jesus says, verses 23 to 26, this is a very biblical principle. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to the brother and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, least any time the adversary shall deliver you to the judge, the judge deliver you to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say to you, uh, thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the utmost farthing. And Jesus teaches the principle of reconciliation. We should always be right with one another. Okay? Always be right. You know, everyone says don't go to bed at night if you're not right with your spouse. I mean, just get right, reconcile. You know, those are the best things to do. And then you'll have a better peaceful night and you want to make sure. So you want to make sure that that is the case. And I noticed that works in my relationship very well. Back to Second Samuel 21. So the idea is David's trying to get right with the Gibeonites. So it's a biblical principle, but he's asking the Gibeonites what needs to be done for atonement. That's a little bit off. Verses 5 and 6. Here's what the Gibeonites come back to David with. The man that consumed us and devised against us that we should be destroyed from the remaining in any of the coasts of Israel, let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto the Lord, Yahweh, in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord did choose, and the king said, I will give them. The boys are in the back room and they make this deal. Maybe there's cigars involved, I don't know. You guys smoke good cigars. I've never had a cigar. Are they any good? I don't even know. Anyway, I have no idea. Okay, there we go. In the discussion. Boys will be boys. Okay. So Saul is, obviously Saul has died. David is king. Remember David fights Goliath and Saul is, starts to fight David. Doesn't make any sense, but anyway. And Saul fights the Philistines. He dies after going to a witch of which he expelled. So he's trying to do some political things. You know, he's trying to be a politician. So he's trying to get rid of all the witches because, you know, that's the good thing to do. But then when he needs a witch, he goes and finds a witch instead of when he wants to talk to Samuel, instead of talking to God. He still wants to talk to Samuel, except Samuel's dead. He has to get a witch to talk to Samuel. And Samuel's like, what are you disturbing me for? What in the world? What are you? I'm done, you know, and you're calling me up. What are you doing? That's a crazy story anyway. So it's all dies along with his son, Jonathan. Okay? So these people said, we can't get our justice from Saul, so we'll get it from his sons. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because the Lord's oath was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. We'll get into that later on. Verses 8 and 9. So then, King David, the king took the two sons of Rizpah. Rizpah the daughter of Ai, and she bear, that she bare to Saul, Armoni and Mephibosheth, that one, her son, and five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she had brought up from Adriel, the son of Berzelite, the Maholite. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord, and they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. I mean, that's just how they did things back then. Sounds wonderful, right? Sounds like boys being boys. I mean, this is ridiculous. But this is what they do. 
This is what they do. And they think they're getting it right, okay? Rizpah. Verse 10. 2 Samuel 21, 10. And Rizpah, the daughter of Ahab, took sackcloth and spread it upon a rock. And from the beginning of harvest until the rain, the water dropped upon them out of the heaven and suffered neither bird of the air to rest on them by day nor beast of the field by night. She guarded those seven bodies, two of which are her sons. She guarded those seven bodies from these vultures, from the animals that would come and eat their flesh. She saw to them. Even in their death, she singed to her children. Rispa. Boys are being boys. And this is what Rispa's doing. That's a mother that sing to her children. And she sings to the others. My wife does it all the time. She sees our two children. And she sees all these other children too. Oftentimes it's six kids or more. She sings to for various reasons. My, my sister did the same thing. Had daycare, took care of. She would take care of more children. The law said 10, she took care of 10. She tried to squeeze as many people as she could in there. She absolutely adored children. Children. Rispa, mother. This is what the mother's doing. When the boys are being boys, what's the mother doing? Even after they've messed it up and they've killed her sons, she's going to still see her sons. Now, I don't know, you guys have been doing what the bad girls of the Bible or something. That, did you guys do that for Sunday school or something? Or something? I don't know. We didn't do the bad girls. Oh, you did the something. Else. Okay. They have one. They have two. They have two. They have the bad girls of the Bible, then they have the really bad girls of the Bible, and they have the slightly bad girls. I wonder if Rizpah gets any attention. I noticed when before I, I did on Tamar, and there's some children here, and they're really into Tamar. Have you ever heard of Rizpah? No. She's in the Bible. Here's a mother sing, because the boys have made a mess, and I've got to clean it up. She's doing the best she can with the situation. Now, my understanding is that women are tired of hearing about these superhero messages. Women are just trying to do the best they can in a world that has been. And over there still, and in the Bible definitely, patriarchal. Where the men get paid more, and the men get this, and the men get that. She's doing the best she can. Verses 11 to 14. And it was told David what Rizpah, the daughter of Ayah, the concubine of Saul. She's Saul's concubine. Not Saul's wife. Concubine. Kind of like a slave, but kind of like a woman. He, you know, he's just, you know, whatever. He and his wife are not too well get along, then the king has to, you know. When David was told what Rizpah had done, this reminds me of when Nathan the prophet comes to David after he commits adultery with Bathsheba and has Uriah the Hittite killed which we talked about a little bit about in Sunday school. Reminds me when Nathan comes to David and tells him. Well, here's someone coming to tell David what Rizpah's doing. And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, which had taken, stolen them from the street of Bashan, where the Philistines had hung them, when the Philistines had slain Saul and Geboah. And he brought up 
from thenceforth the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan's son. And they gathered the bones of them that were hanged. And the bones of Saul and Jonathan and his son buried they in the country of Benjamin in Salah, in the sepulchre of Kish his father. And they performed all that the king commanded. And after that, God was entreated for him. After David does this, is the famine. Not after David kills him. But when David's doing this. In other words, it's Rizpah, the mother, who is seeing to things. And because of what Rizpah's done, David wakes up, smells the coffee or whatever you want to say, and does the right thing finally. And that's what gives. Because what did God had said? It was because of what happened to Saul and the Gibeonites. Now remember, Saul was killed by the Philistines and they took Saul and they mounted him as a trophy with his son Jonathan. And it was the uh, Jabez Gilead citizens there that Saul had saved. So they went and got his bones and they at least collected them and got them away from the Philistines. But they still didn't get a proper burial. Still didn't get a proper burial. Of course, David's busy doing what? He's busy trying to become the new king. He's trying to do everything and get busy and... Didn't have, he didn't have time to deal with Saul. And then the boys have this meeting in the back room. Let's go back to verse 3. Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? Wherewith shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? In other words, you cried out to God because of this injustice. He's put a famine and there's no rain for three years. Remember Elijah? It will not rain until you say Elijah. And Ahab is trying to kill Elijah and say, where's Elijah? And until Elijah speaks, and now David thinks, oh, it's the Gibeonites, right? It's the Gibeonites. Go back to our Sunday school lesson. I told those in Sunday school, pay attention to Joshua 9, 14. And the men took of their victuals, and they asked not the counsel of the mouth of the Lord. Now, David initially, in verse 1, asked God, what's the problem? But he doesn't go back and ask God what to do. He makes the same mistake Joshua does in Joshua 9. And David takes counsel with the Gibeonites. What do you want? Not what God wants. What do you want? And we, we talked about in Sunday school, it's dangerous for us to go around and find out what everybody wants. Well, you know, what do we got to do for church? Well, we got to, you know, redecorate the church and redo everything so it fits what the world wants. We got to entertain people. That's why they're not coming to church, because they're not entertained. What do you, world, want? And we'll put on a show, except Christians never put on a show. A friend of mine who is a sound guy said, you know what I've learned? He said, when you listen to secular music and you, back in the day, bought the album, boy, it was really good because they had done it in the studio. It was high quality. It was the best. But when you listen to Christian music, after he got saved, he listened to Christian music, what they do in the studio is absolutely terrible. <laughs> he says, it's really good when you go to a live concert because then the Holy Spirit shows up and they can really play. We, we can't be like the world. We can't go to the world and ask them what to do and inquire of them. And meet in the back room and say, okay, this is what we're It never says in 2 Samuel 21 that God said to take seven sons and kill them. Never says that. That's what the Gibeonites say they want. At least they think that's what they want, I guess. What God wanted was reconciliation. What God wanted was, hey, Saul's bones are in the wrong place. You haven't dealt with that. And 
This situation that Saul made a mess of Gibeon had to make it right, but he didn't say kill. He didn't say kill. So what turned the king? Rizpah, the mother. The mother got the king to see. The mother got it done when King David himself can't see, when the Gibeonites can't see, because they're all going after being boys, being boys. Verse 7, but the king spared Meshivatheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. That comes from 1 Samuel 20, verse 42. When David's running from Saul, he makes an oath with Jonathan. And Jonathan said to David, go in peace for as much as we have sworn, both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord be between me and thee, between my seed and thy seed forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Jonathan knew that David was to be the next king. And Jonathan was going to serve as David's general. I will serve you. Just because my father's king doesn't mean I'm king. we got to check with what God wants. Let's consult God, and I know that you are God's anointed. Jonathan had every attention. Saul was so angry. Can't you see that this guy is going to be king, and that means we're not? And Jonathan says, I don't want to be king. I want God's will. Not mine, but thine. And I'll gladly serve under a King David. That's what Jonathan's heart was. Jonathan could see it. Jonathan could see that David should have been king. As a matter of fact, we can surmise from the text as a good guess that all the time God had wanted David as the king. The people the people wanted the king. We want to be a king, Samuel, just like everybody else. We can't compete with the bars. Being in a big band and hearing, you know, expect people to show up. We can't compete with the bars. Because that's not what we're supposed to do. Now, if we bring in something to praise God, that's different. But we can't compete and entertain people. That's not what the mission of the church is. And Jonathan understood that David was to be king. But he made a pact. And so David honors this pact. But it's strange the way that they make this decision to kill seven sons of Saul. It doesn't make any sense. In Judges 11, Jephthah makes a similar vow. Jephthah the Gileite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead beget Jephthah. And they reject Jephthah because he's the son of a harlot. Now we got, again, Rizpah, she's the concubine of Saul. We got a son of a harlot here, and they said, we don't want you to have any portion with our inheritance because you're the son of a harlot. Our father... <laughs> Our father, but he went into a harlot. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Fine. Jephthah goes off on his own. You don't want anything to do with me? Fine. I'll make my own way. Then these people get in trouble, and they need someone to deliver them. And every time the children of Israel got in trouble, they, they cried out to God, and God sent them a judge. So then they go get Jephthah and say, Hey, Jephthah, we're in trouble. Can you save us? I thought I was the son of a harlot. We don't care about that anymore. Come save us. And Jephthah makes a strange vow unto God. He said, God, if you give me the victory, and he, he makes a deal with them, if I win, you have to make me your ruler. In other words, I become the right to 
all control as the firstborn. I get a double portion. But he makes a deal with God. In verses 30 and 31. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt uh, without fail deliver the children of Amnon into my hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth at the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Amnon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it, whatever comes out of the front door of my house, when I come home from victory, I will offer as an offering, burnt offering to you. Verse 34, who comes out the door? And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and dancing. And she was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. You know what Jephthah does? He offers his daughter. Do you think God really wants that? Well, of course not. As you go through this chapter, Jephthah's theology is off. He doesn't really understand the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the one that Moses taught. He's got bad theology throughout that chapter we understand. He doesn't really understand God. And because he makes a vow, he thinks he has to keep it, and he keeps it. That's not what God wants. That's not what God wants. And he's taking it literally that he has to do this. It's like, would you consult with God first? But you make this stupid thing and then you got to, oh my Lord. And they did the same thing. Now the vow between the Gibeonites and the children of Israel is set by Joshua. That's not the problem. That's not a, a, that's not a useless vow. They made the vow, they kept it. And Saul did. He was trying to be political and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to purify my people. Now that I'm the first king, I got to make things right. And these Gibeonites, they're not really us, so we got to. But I showed you how many other termites <laughs> Or in the Bible, in Sunday school, all the otherites. It was a mixed multitude coming out of Egypt. It's not like God's racist, but Saul was. But the idea is not to fix it by killing seven sons. What on earth? And do the same thing that was done to Saul to get your what's out of it. I don't get it. That's not the God that we serve. But these are boys being boys. In a patriarchal society where the women have no say. And then you have someone bright, shining like Rizpah. That because of what she does, all those months, keeping the carrion away, keeping those away from this flesh. They were, they're very much, biblically, they're very much into this body. The other religions aren't. Someone mentioned the other religions don't walk with God. The other religions aren't really concerned about this. But the Bible from the beginning to the end, is concerned about our bodies. Verse 35, It came to pass when he saw her, he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that troubled me, for I have opened my mouth in the Lord, and I cannot go back. Just because you're dumb doesn't mean you have to make God dumb. And you don't have to kill Rizpah's sons just because that's not what God wanted See, oftentimes we take the Bible, we twist it, and we think this is what God's want, and then we force things to happen that don't need to happen. And then Arispa has to come along and do the best she can to get by and manage. She's a concubine, a slave of Saul. And then he does what he does, and among the other things, he's done something to give you nice. And then he dies. And then what's that mean for her? 
And she's got to raise these two boys. And she gets them raised, and that's her only future. That's her only hope that these two boys will get married and have children, and they will produce, and they will take care of me when I'm old. And then you come along, and not only saw dead, now you kill my sons. What have I got left? I got nothing. But she's still with those sons taking care of them, even in their death, hung up there, impaled, their bodies hanging, to make sure no bird touches them, no animal. That's a mother. That's a mother when the boys are being boys. God never said that. Kill your daughter. God never said. You did not consult God, but you put God's name on it, and you did it in God's name. So much has been done. We get all kinds of stuff. People on the internet saying, well, you Christians did this and that. You're right. Christians did some really stupid stuff. They put God's name on stuff that don't belong. Because God never said to do that. But we got to learn to repent and go back. But I cannot go back. Oh, come on. Judges chapter 4. <laughs> That's why I wanted to ask you if you did this in the Sunday school lesson. Judges chapter 4 is about Deborah. Deborah? Anybody know Deborah? Do you know Deborah? Do you know Deborah? Well, surely you know Deborah. You don't know Deborah? The one in the Bible in Judges chapter 4. Do you know Deborah? She's a prophet. She's a prophet. Or the King James prophetess. She's a prophet. And there's a problem. And they're like, oh, we got this problem. And she's a prophet. And they go to her and say, what does God want? And God says, he wants Barak to go out there and beat those boys. And Barak's like, I can't do that. And because Barak doesn't do it, then God says, okay, then fine. God is going to give the glory to someone else. You could have had victory. God would have got behind you and gave you the victory. All you had to do was go out there and step out in faith and God was going to deliver the enemy in your hand. And Barak says, I can't do it. Barak says, I can't do it. I can't do it. But God wants to use you. Maybe you're going through things in your life. You say, I just can't do it. Anyway, God gives the victory. The enemy's on the run. And the general, the enemy's general, is running. And Barak is after him. I'm going to do I'm going to win. Remember, Deborah the prophetess says, if you don't go out and lead this and take the lead like God told you, someone else is going to get the victory. This guy shows up and there's jail at Hebrews uh, wife shows up to and she sees him coming and he's sweating and he's running says here come in come here I'll hide you in my tent I'll hide you in my tent here have some milk <laughs> she gives him milk to drink this is the enemy she gives him milk to drink says here just lay down here let me hear you're so tired and as he falls asleep she takes a tent bug and drives it through the, his skull and she gets the victory. She does what needs to be done. Now again, maybe that's not exactly what God wanted. But God wanted to deal with it. But she's doing the best she can. She's doing it because the men aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Just doing the best they can. 
And she ends up getting the victory. She ends up doing what needs to be done. So, women, mothers, you're always trying to do because you're doing the best you can. And the world's against you in so many ways. I mean, all of us are facing oppression. I don't know if it's been since the pandemic or whatever, but I don't know. But right now, I have never felt like it's just every day is a challenge and every minute of every day is a challenge. I've never felt so much oppression Everywhere. It didn't used to be like this. I mean, you have a bad day here and a bad day there. It's like, you can't wait for a good day to happen. Because so much stuff happens. And we got so many prayer requests. And I'm thankful we didn't have to add any today. But that's an unusual event. Your nephews have been sick all this week. They've never been this sick, my brother said. Had to miss their spring program at school. Alicia's had a sore throat. Jubilee was playing and hit, hit a concrete pillar. Running around and hit it, ran right into it, wasn't paying attention. Was like, ha ha, kunk. It's just like, it's one thing after another. And I don't know how Alicia is doing it. She's like, I'm doing the best I can. You're not here, and I'm doing the best I can. Plus, she has to see all these other kids because those moms are not doing the best they can. They're not doing the best thing. There's so much going on. Everything is all happening and attacking. Katie's knee, my knee. I've had some back issues. I've had some other health issues. You've all had issues. It's crazy. And we're just doing the best we can. And God is trying to get us into place to be what he wants us to be. And sometimes we need help from someone like jail. Sometimes we just need a woman's got to step forward and says, boys are going to be boys and make another mess we've got to clean up. Another mess that has to be cleaned up. God never said, kill those boys and I'll stop the rain. What God wanted was something, reconciliation. Now the Gibeonites still, they don't understand exactly what they're supposed to do. So they just come up with something and Dave's like, alright. And they had a business meeting and But it wasn't what God wanted. Had they consulted God, who knows what God would have came up with. A better idea. So thank you, moms, for having to step in there and do what's right. When boys are being boys. Now, I haven't had the pleasure. I guess that's just God's infinite wisdom to raise boys. My brother is. So I get to see it from his perspective. I got girls. I love my girls. Don't know what it's like to raise boys. But I appreciate my wife and all she does to get by in the best way she can through this situation. And all of you are in the same boat. You're getting by doing the best you can. No crazy, big Wonder Woman superhero kind of, you know, no, let's, let's get real. This message is a real message. I really wanted to do something else. This is what the Lord gave me. He said, no, you're going to do Rizpah. I want something real. I want a woman who had to face a concubine, a slave, whose master's dead and loses the only two things she's got. Now, David, I hope, I wish it would say in the text, David, I would hope that if he's taking Mephibosheth, he should be taking care of Rizpah. 
He should be taking care of Rizpah. But anyway, God was, saw her. Because of Rizpah, God saw. And did, caused David to see. David could not see. My wife is notorious for that. There are things I just can't see because I'm a man. I have selective vision, I guess. Along with selective hearing. And selective all kinds of things. I select to choose to hear and see what I need to see. I got like filters built in or something. I don't, my wife sees everything. And she lets me know. You didn't see this. <laughs> no, I didn't. Incredible woman. And the closer I get to my wife, the closer I understand how great my mom is, how great women are. Phenomenal, the gifts that God gives you. Phenomenal. Want those gifts to shine. You don't need to be concubine slave. Shine. Be like Rizpah and change the world. King David is supposed to get it figured out. He, even, he has the means to ask God and he does once, but he doesn't go back to ask God a second time. And he falls in the same trap Joshua did and listens to the Gibeonites. And it takes a woman to save the day. <laughs> Praise God for Rizpah. Praise God for women. Yeah. I'm so thankful for my wife and I'm thankful for my mother. And I know you're all thankful. And for all those boys that are not here today to be with their moms... They're out being boys. Thank you, mothers. Thank you for what you do. Father God, we thank you for Rizba. We thank you that you can use women where men are blinded and have selective hearing and sight and cannot see. King David had all the power, but he still could not figure out what to do. Rizba had no power, and she knew exactly what needed to happen. And she was a mother all the way through. All those nights protecting her sons. Even in their death. Even in their death. And how many mothers are out there that have to go to prisons and see their sons? And be rispas. When boys be boys. Because they still love their children. We thank you for the love that you put in mothers to be like that. Help us to understand your love through the mother's love. Help us to understand that love. To reach out to those people who aren't getting it right. And to do the right thing. To do the best we can in the situation we're given. To make things as right as we can. We thank you and praise you for this story today. And we pray that we will walk away thinking of Rizpah today. Maybe even have an interesting story to share when we celebrate Mother's Day where we could bring up Rizpah that no one's ever heard of. But you remember her so much that you wanted her in your word. And you made sure her story is there. And to this day, thousands of years later, her name is being said because she was a mother of mothers. Let us be like her and go out and do the best we can to change this world. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dkin 
dot cc that's d k e n dot cc we look forward to seeing you next time god bless you